for those of you who are online, thank you so much for taking time to be able to join us in what God is doing. We are in the second week of our series called Sensing God. And as you know, last week we talked about the importance of connecting to God with our sight. What does it mean to see things from God's perspective? And this week we get to talk about hearing. What does that look like? But I am so excited to be able to introduce, for many of you who do not know him, his name is Nathan Rector. Now, Nathan used to be the lead pastor here for five years. And here's the story that I want to tell you. Very few people I know in life would be able to come into a church in a situation that at the time was going through some major crisis financially and otherwise in the moments in which Nathan came. And over the five years that he was here, God used him to heal, to grow, and to impact this community to a point where it was about ready to explode and go to the next level that every lead pastor would hope to be a part of. And what did Nathan decide to do? Follow Jesus and go to Indiana. You know God is calling if you have to go to Indiana from this beautiful part of the country to his wife's home church of just a few hundred people that desperately needed a pastor to come in to do what? To heal, to cast vision, and to grow. And so I'm so excited and so honored to bring Nathan back onto this stage to impact you online. And for those of you in the room, can you just give a VRL welcome to Nathan Rector? Thank you, brother. You guys, oh, it is so good to be here. It is so good to be here. You guys are too good to me. You, every time I'm here, have just given me a kindness that I will remember uh, for the rest of my life. My time here at Valley Real Life is such a special, special thing. And, uh, and I just, some of the people, the stories, the memories, Dan, everything you said there, I really appreciate that. It really, it really connects to my heart. It's, it's an honor to be here. Uh, for those of you who are joining us online, we're so grateful that you can be a part of this uh, as well. I'm delighted to share with you. I, I know that when you're online, this was a weekend where a lot of things get disrupted and maybe online is the only way that you could, that you could be here. But, but I just got to say this, if you're on the fence about getting back into in-person service, after what I just experienced in this room, you need to be here and you need to make a point to get here, to do whatever you need to do to get here because this was special and I'm so grateful for what I got to be a part of, uh, what I just got to be a part of. Listen, uh, before we go any further, this is Memorial Day weekend and I just want to say a special thank you to any of our veterans past or present. If that's you, would you stand right now? I'd love to honor you. Thank you for all that you have done, for all that you've given. Of course, we remember on a weekend like this, 
Some gave all, and uh, we thank them for that. We thank them for the freedom that we get to have uh, in this great country. Uh, it's great to be here. Uh, I didn't get to bring the whole clan with me. I was able to bring Cameron, my oldest, uh, with me uh, on this trip, and so that was great. Uh, Jamie and, and, and Drew and Bryce are back home uh, there in Indiana. Drew's baseball tournament, and you know how that goes. The kids are growing. I mean, they are growing. They're getting way too big, way too fast. Uh, and uh, Cameron's 16, uh, Drew is 13, and, and Bryce, who was born here in Spokane in our second year of ministry, Bryce just turned 10 last week. And so it's just mind-blowing how fast this, this thing called life goes, and we're doing our best to try to make the most of every opportunity, but they are doing great. Our church there in Indiana is doing fantastic. Uh, as Dan said, we, we came in there to a church that was in need uh, of some, some turnaround, and, and God's just been so so good to us. Uh, COVID has been a curveball nobody saw coming, but uh, the church is thriving. We are just almost to surpass our pre-COVID average for 2019. Uh, and so that's been exciting because we're seeing all kinds of people coming back and online's been a whole new thing for us. We just broke ground two, two weeks ago on a $6 million uh, project that we're doing to transform uh, our facility uh, into a community center seven days a week with indoor turf and coffee shop and a playscape and a performing arts room. We're thrilled about it. And just, just to think about where that journey has been over the last six years. I mean, that was completely off the table. Uh, nothing like that was even remotely being considered. And so just God has been good. He's been good here at Valley Real Life. He's been good to Northview uh, in Danville, Indiana, and, and he's been good to the rectors, that is for sure. And so I'm grateful to be here with you guys. If you have a Bible with you uh, on your phone, on, on your uh, app, tablet that you came in here with, uh, turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to be there today. Uh, we're going to, like Dan said, this is week number two of a new series called Sensing God. And I get to talk about hearing God, hearing God. Now, I learned firsthand uh, how big a deal hearing is when I had an injury that took away correct hearing. I, I went uh, down to Florida with my family several years ago. We went on vacation down to Destin. We went with another family. And uh, he, the, the other guy and I, while the girls were shopping or at the beach or something, we decided we're going to go scuba diving. Uh, he was a firefighter. He was certified uh, as a scuba diver. I was obviously not. But uh, he had only done his diving in, in dirty, murky Midwest waters. And so he was looking forward to doing something in the ocean. And he found a place that would allow somebody like me with no prior experience to go and take a little bit of training and, and be able to scuba dive down to a certain depth. And uh, so I said, I'm in, man, let's do it. And so we went scuba diving. And of course, this was a little bit of, of, of a willy-nilly operation. Any place that allows you with no experience whatsoever to just throw this on and let's go underwater and do it, you know, and, and you'll learn, I guess, you know, so... Uh, but we did it, and I watched the video on VHS tape, and I said, okay, and I think we got it, and we went into the water and tested a few different things, and it's like, I think I got it, but, you know, are there signals, like, if I don't get it or whatever? So we start to go underwater. If you've ever done this before, as you go down in the water, there's things that happen in your ear because the pressure begins to build. Okay? And when you're scuba diving, you know, and maybe you've seen this or done this, uh, felt this on an airplane where your ears start to fill up and you've got to do something to equalize the pressure in your ears. Sometimes we'll take our, our fingers and squeeze our nose shut and blow real hard and it'll blow out in our ears, right? It, it's kind of that type of thing. As you're going down every so often, you got to equalize your ears. Well, the problem was I couldn't get my ears to equalize. 
And I blew and I blew and I blew and I'd have to go like this, like this hurts like crazy, you know, and we'd come back up and then I went back down and, and I did my best to try to do exactly what they were telling me to do, but, but I just couldn't get it to work. I couldn't get it to equalize. And so I finally was like getting to the point where I thought, I'm screwing up this trip for my buddy. I mean, he's paid this money. He's excited about it. He's wanting to do this. Like I better just deal with it. And so I couldn't get it to equalize, and the guy's looking at me underwater like, are we good or bad, good or bad? And I wasn't good, but I said, we're good. And so we went down to the furthest depth that we were going to go down to, and we spent about 45 minutes underwater. And that whole time I was underwater, I was in excruciating pain. My ears just felt like they were going to explode the whole time I was down there. And I'm seeing things that I've only seen in Disney movies. I mean, it's Nemo and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, man, all I can think about is my ears are going to explode. And so, finally, th this journey ends because I don't do this for a living like my friend or I hadn't been trained like he had. I'm sucking down the oxygen way too fast, right? He knows how to breathe carefully and, and deliberately. I don't know how to do that, so I'm just... Every, you know, so I'm done in half the time that he's done in. So I had to come back to the top because I'm out of air, and I just had to wait for him. And I remember just being above the water and going like, oh my gosh, what just happened? What just happened? We drive home. I'm going, something's wrong. We get back to the condo. The day goes on. Nothing changes. The next day, nothing changes. The rest of the week, nothing changes. I mean, I can't hear right. It feels like there's an inner tube blown up inside my eardrum and it's blocking all the right sound. And all the sound that's supposed to be coming through your body to your ears and all the stuff coming from the outside, it's all changed. It's all weird. It's like this for weeks. Kept complaining to my wife about it and telling her, like, I, I mean, I, I better go to a doctor. I, get, I mean, like, this is, this is crazy. So I finally go in and I start to get some, some analysis of what's going on. And uh, I had a bar I had barotrauma, if you're familiar with, with uh, ear injuries, and did some hearing tests, and they checked a bunch of different things. And, and the long story short is they were able to tell me, look, you, you did this XYZ damage to your ears. It is going to get better. And over time, it might be 6 to 12 months. But over time, it's going to get to a place where you're no longer impaired. Your hearing is no longer impaired. Now, that's almost been true. Totally. I still, when I get a cold, I hear, I, I know I'm going to get a cold when my ears shut. Like ever since that experience, the ears are the first thing to go. When my ears start plugging up, I know I'm about to get sick. About to get sick. Here it comes, right? But, but that diagnosis was right on. We've had an injury. There's something blocking it, okay? It's going to start letting go. It's going to get better, but it's going to take time. And over time, you're going to be able to hear better. I hope today today, that that exact same diagnosis can be said about you hearing from God. That maybe you came in here today and you don't feel like you hear from God very well. Maybe you don't feel like you've ever heard from God. You hear other people talk about hearing from God and you go, I sure wish I could hear from God better. I want you to know that you can hear from God. And while you might not have it happen in this moment, you will 
you will, over time, be able to hear better. And I want to talk a little bit about a couple guiding principles. I mean, it's, it's, I, there's no way, there is no way in one message that I could possibly talk to you guys about everything there is to know about hearing from God. I want to talk about a couple guiding principles, but can I just, for a second, can I just kind of marvel at the thought that you and I can hear from God? What? What? The God who made the world? I mean, the God who made the great Northwest? Dan, you hit it on the head. I got cornfields out in my backyard. <laughs> literally, literally, cornfields out in my backyard. I don't have these mountains and these, these lakes and this view. I mean, I'm coming in on the airplane, and I'm looking out the window going, oh, I miss this. I miss this. I mean, we're talking about the God who made it all. And we're saying we can hear from him. We can talk to him. He wants to communicate to us. That's incredible. That's incredible. I want to give you a couple guiding principles about hearing from God. But before I do, I want to acknowledge that I think I know this picture that you have in your head of what this is supposed to look like. Because it's the picture that I often have in my head. And I want to acknowledge it. So that we can kind of deal with the fact that when we say hearing God, this is what most of us think we're talking about. I'll tell you in a story. When I was in college, there were these two groups of feuding neighbors in my dorm who were battling it out in a prank war over the course of a, of a year with each other. One was a group of freshmen, and the other was a group of upperclassmen. And they just would go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, at just royally screwing each other over and trying to make each other's life miserable. I mean, everything from like 100 baby chickens left in your room over the weekend <laughs> to, you know, Christmas break comes along and let's put some milk cartons up in the heat return and just leave them there for a couple weeks and let you try to figure out what that smell is coming from. We're talking about like tying door handles shut so you can't get out your door, you know, type stuff. But the upperclassmen, the seniors decided, we are done with these two young bucks, and we're going to put them away. Like, we're going to end this once and for all. And so they cooked up what, in my estimation, is the greatest prank in the history of pranks, dorm pranks. They figured out this idea where they were going to spook them in the middle of the night by taking speaker wire from the seniors' room, running it out the window of the third floor room, over across into the window and into the speakers of these two freshmen. Some of you young guys don't even know what speaker wires are. <laughs> You're like, is that a Bluetooth thing? Is that something like, what do I? No, you actually had to run wires from the receiver, that's another term you don't know, <laughs> to the speakers. And so they ran the sound from the receiver in the room next door into the room of these two freshmen. And they got some sort of music that, I, the best way I can describe it is opera, but from the pit of hell. <laughs> like it was demonic opera, demonic opera. I don't know if that's a genre, but that's what this was. And in the middle of the night, like 3 a.m., they went down the hallway, all of our dorm rooms. I don't know who thought this was a good idea when they designed these dorms. But the breaker box was in the middle of the hallway. 
And every room was on a breaker, and you could just go 302, 304, 306, <laughs> click, and you could cut power to a room. And so they cut power to the room of these freshman guys. And at 3 a.m., they slammed the volume of this demonic opera music. And these two guys, totally asleep, just jump out of bed, smack into each other, and then they try to turn the stereo off. But guess what? There's no power. (laughs) Their stereo isn't even on. They can't understand what's going on. And then they kill the music, and they put their ear to the wall, and they hear them scurrying around. They give them about 10 seconds, and then they juice them again. (laughs) And they do this about four times. They put another guy out in the hallway as a spotter, like an inconspicuous guy who wasn't even a part of this story except to just kind of relay what happened. And they told him to act like you're going to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Just report on what you see. So he kind of clumsily walked out like he was going to the bathroom. And one of these freshman guys runs out of his room, drops onto his knees, and says, pray for me, brother. I mean, he thought he was meeting Jesus right there, right in that moment, right? I think when we talk about hearing from God, sometimes we think that's what it's going to be like, like this unmistakable, booming, loud, just in-your-face moment where it's obvious to you and to anybody else that's around, that was God speaking, because that's how God always speaks, right? No, no, no. In fact, not usually, not usually. That's why we're going to 1 Kings chapter 19. I I think if there was ever a story that illustrates the fact that God doesn't usually speak in the way that we think he's going to speak, it's this story. It's a story of of a prophet who was used by God in, I would argue, as powerful as of a way that anyone was ever, as a minister of any kind of godly endeavor, was used. I mean, this guy on Mount Carmel called down fire, almost in a dare-type scenario with prophets of Baal. I mean, on demand, on command, said, God, send it now. And God sent it, and it was an unmistakable moment where God's power and his, his strength and his display was, was there for everybody to see. I mean, it was, a, it was incredible. And yet after that moment, his life got threatened and he got really scared and he did what a lot of us do. God's been good and he's been good. He's even shown up in big ways, but then we start freaking out and faith starts floundering when life gets difficult and he runs and he gets suicidal and he feels like his life is over and there's no help and there's nobody else who loves the Lord like he does and that everything else he's, everything he's done is, is for nothing and, 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 and God's got to kind of basically kind of talk him off the ledge. He sends an angel there uh, to, to minister to him and the angel basically says, dude, go take a nap. He wakes up from his nap and there's warm bread. And he's, dude, eat your, you need to eat. Like you forgot to sleep and you forgot to eat. Like, let's do that. So he eats. Okay, go back to sleep. Then he gets up. And then, so he's got this whole experience where he's running from God, right? And he's trying to figure out, what am I supposed to do? How is God going to tell me what's next? What's going to happen? And we see that God finally says, all right, I'm going to speak. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show up. I'm going to connect with you. And he says this in verse 11 of 1 Kings 19. 
It says, Elijah, go out and stand before me on the mountain. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in the cloak, and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave, and a voice said, What are you doing here, Elijah? God spoke. But it wasn't in the bang. It wasn't in the loud. It wasn't in the show. It wasn't in the running. It wasn't in all the commotion. It wasn't in all the doing. It was in the quiet. God finally in that moment of quiet starts to talk. Or maybe we could say finally in that moment of quiet, Elijah began to be able to listen. Two guiding principles about hearing from God. Number one is this. God often speaks the loudest when we are the quietest. It's a phrase Mark Batterson coined in his book, Whisper, and it has hung with me since the minute I read it. God often speaks the loudest when we are the quietest. I think for us, if we're honest, that many times when we say, I'm not hearing from God, we could also say, I'm really busy. I'm really busy. Like, COVID screwed up some stuff for us, uh, all of us, and, and it's different for you guys than maybe it was for us. We got back to school a little bit quicker in Indiana than you guys did here in Washington, but, um, you know, we had a season of, like, this crazy weird stuff where, like, we were home every night of the week, all five of us, and we were eating three meals together, and it was like, who are you, you know? Like, I don't even know, and for all the crummy stuff that was COVID, like, that little part, I'll treasure forever with my kids. I will treasure it that little season that we had. We rode bikes. We don't even ride bikes. We rode bikes. <laughs> we talked to each other. I mean, we, and then of course, as stuff starts coming back online, what happens? We start getting busy, busy. You guys are so busy here. I hear you guys are trying to play a year's worth of sports in like six weeks. <laughs> I mean, how is a parent of multiple kids supposed to do this? Like literally, how are you supposed to do this, right? But I, got, I caught myself one time, and I was talking with people, and, and they'd say, oh, how are you doing? And I caught myself saying every time, I've been busy. Like if you talked to me 18 months ago, I'd say busy. If you talked to me four years ago, I'd say busy. If you talked to me two minutes ago, I'd say busy. Maybe the reason that we don't hear from God is because our life is too loud. Our schedule is too noisy. There's too many things going on. There's no margin. Do you, we, we understand this from, from any good, healthy relationship. Healthy relationships need margin to develop. They need intentionally created space. My wife lets me know when we don't have enough margin in our relationship, when there hasn't been enough intentional time to just be quiet and just have a moment together. And she'll just tell me it's about that time for a date night, and I'll know, you dummy, it was actually three weeks ago time, and you've missed all the signals up till now, and now she's just telling you, take me out to dinner, boy. <laughs> we need time. We need space. That's why God says in Psalm 46, verse 10, be still and know that I'm God. 
He doesn't just say, know that I'm God. He says, be still. Stop for a second. Stop. Because if you don't stop, you're never going to know. You're never going to take it all in. You're never going to be caught up in this, in this incredible wonder that is life, understanding that, that, that I've made you for relationship with me. That's what God has invited us into, is this incredible relationship. You know, when I got my ears all screwed up with scuba diving, one of the weirdest things that happened was that I started hearing noises from inside my body that my ears had never otherwise heard. Like, it's kind of like the sound when you put your ears under the water in the bathtub and you start hearing all the plumbing and all the things that you didn't know you were supposed to. It's like that, but it's your body, so it's real weird. And I didn't like it. I, I wanted to turn something on so that I could hear other noise over top of it. And I find I do that often with God, too. Like, when I get quiet, sometimes I don't like where the conversation tends to want to go. Let's turn something up. Let's turn the schedule up. Let's turn the music up. Let's turn the attention somewhere else. God, I don't know if I want to go down that road. Sometimes we stay busy because we're afraid of the conversations that God wants to have with us. We're afraid of the vulnerabilities that he's going to expose. We're, we're, we're afraid, and we feel like there's going to be some shame in coming to him and saying, I, I don't have it all together now, and I don't know how to get it together. And yet, in it, we, we don't find shame. We find this moment where we connect intimately with God. We've got to be still. We've got to be still. Sometimes the best thing we can do if we want to hear from God is carve out a season of time where we intentionally, we get to the calendar first with God time, and we say, this is going to be what tomorrow revolves around. This is what's going to be most important to me first. I mean, start outside if you have to with general, just general revelation. Let God speak to you as you look at the beauty of creation, as you see a sunset, as you look over, as you look over the lake, as you spend some time listening to the sounds of nature. Just let God begin to connect, but still your life. I mean, of two principles, two guiding principles, a lot we could say about hearing from God. I would say one of them has to be quiet is key. And God will speak if you can learn to quiet your life. Here's the second guiding principle. Because this is what happens when he starts to speak. You've got to get this part. God's clearest words command our boldest response. When God speaks, he speaks loud and clear. That's usually the key with communication, right? We want to hear it loud and clear. We want to be able to know, you're talking to me, and I get it. I hear you loud and clear. You understand that the whole world responds to the, to the spoken word of God? I mean, created the creation happened because God talked. He spoke, and there was a reaction. He said, let there be light. Let there be dry land. Let there be animals. He spoke it into existence, and instantly creation submitted. Creation responded to his word. God's clear words call for bold response. We're talking about a creation that didn't even exist. There was nothing, and yet it responded to God's words. 
When, 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 we see, when we see this happen in other places, we see Jesus, for example, uh, tell a storm, be still. Cal- he calms it down. He, he talks to the storm in the same vernacular that a parent would talk to a toddler. Knock it off. And his clear words demanded a bold response from creation, and it just stopped like that, Right? He encountered a demoniac in Mark chapter 5. I mean, a guy filled with demons. And he said, come out of him. And his clear words commanded a bold response from those demons. What happened? They left. You see, the, really, the, the thing of it is, the only thing in the whole world that doesn't just respond automatically when God speaks is you and me. Everything else that God has created, if he says it, they change. If he speaks it, they're moving. The question is, when it comes to hearing from God, when you hear from God and when God clearly speaks, will you respond? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. says, all scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Don't miss that God-breathed part. That's important. It's important. God is talking. God is talking. And I don't know if you've noticed this in this scripture before, but do you see that each, each thing that was spoken about there is a response? In other words, I'm not just talking to talk. I'm talking to command and elicit a response from you. He says, Scripture is good for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. None of it's to pat you on the back. It's to move you closer to him. See, our problem, I know a lot of us, we like to look at the Bible. And we like to say, man, but it's a hard book. I get it. But, but our problem usually isn't that the Bible is too hard to read. Our problem is usually that it asks too much of us. Let me ask you a question. When you read the Bible, do you read the Bible or does the Bible read you? Because that's what it's designed to do. Hebrews chapter 4. The word is living and active. It's alive. This thing, this is not just words on paper. This is God breathed. He's talking. He's talking to you. He's talking. And again, I know there are spots that are hard to understand, hard to read, hard to make sense of. I've been studying the Bible for 20 plus years, and there are still certain places that I look at and I go, <laughs> someone says, what does that mean? And I go, uh, God only knows. <laughs> and they'll go, that's such a cop-out. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. There's some spots that are weird. Culture's weird. Their, their language is different. The idioms are different. Some of, the, some of it's really hard. But let me, let me say this too. There is a large percentage of the Bible that is unmistakably clear. Unmistakably clear. Where God is not stuttering. 
He's not making it hard for you. I mean, I'm talking about how to live, uh, how, to, how to be in relationship with people, how to have a strong marriage, how to handle your finances, how to live with humility, how to raise your kids, how to manage your money, sin and its consequences, life and death. I mean, there are so many places where God is so incredibly clear. And the question is not, what is, is, not, is he speaking? It's, it's what are you going to do with what you can clearly understand him saying? When I was growing up, my dad would would make us a list, and he would write on this list a chores, a bunch of things for us to do, and 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 I hated it when I woke up and I saw that list on the table. Right, I hated it. <laughs> but and and often on the list there was a thing or two that I went, I don't even know what he's wanting me to do here. Like I don't, and this was he didn't have a cell phone. This was before that. I couldn't just call him and say, Dad, what do you mean on number six? I don't know. But I knew full well, if I'm going to push off number six because I don't know exactly what that is, I had better have one through five done and finished perfectly. Because for sure, the wrong answer is, I didn't know what number six was, so I didn't do any of it. (laughs) God is speaking every time we open this thing up. Every time. I mean, go back to the beginning of what I said. Get caught up in the wonder that God wants to speak to us. He wants to talk to us. Will we respond when he speaks to us, especially when he speaks to us loud and clear? And make, let's connect this for sure. Jesus, Jesus is God's loudest and clearest word. He's his loudest and clearest word. He's louder than the Ten Commandments. He's louder than the law. He's clearer than the prophets or the angels that God used before. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 says this. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory. And here, here look at this. The exact representation of of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word, his word, his word. It's never been about anything else than his word. God speaks and creation responds. That's why when Jesus steps into ministry, he continually talks and he continually invites us and says things like this. Anybody who has ears, let him hear. Listen to what I'm saying. He's declaring, I am the embodiment of truth. I'm not just going to tell you truthful things. I am truth itself. He says things like this. You've heard it said this way, but I say to you, right? Or he said this to Pilate right before his crucifixion. This is incredible. He says, everyone who's on the side of truth listens to me. Everyone on the side. So he comes full of grace and truth. He comes full of, 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 that, of that power from heaven, Jesus does. He's God's loudest and clearest voice to you and I. And he calls person after person after person to respond to what they hear from his voice. He took a deaf mute, stuck his fingers in his ears, and said, be opened. And a man could hear who had never been able to hear before. He, he, took, he took Peter after the resurrection 
failure, disqualified, man. He felt like he was, it was over for him. And Jesus spoke these words to him. He heard these words with his ears. Jesus said, Peter, follow me. Follow me. Jesus took Lazarus in a tomb for days. And he said, Lazarus, come out. And a man wrapped in grave clothes came walking out of that grave. He says to the delivered, anyone who's been set free from sin, Matthew chapter 28, what does he say? Go, go into all the world and make disciples of me. Jesus says in John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So here's what we're going to do. I want to pray for you today because I, I want you to take these two principles and I want you just to book in them with everything else there is to know, everything else there is to know about hearing from God, that most often God's going to speak his loudest when I'm quiet and that God speaks his clearest, loudest voice through his son Jesus. Let those be the guardrails of this conversation. And let them begin to get your heart around the idea of, if I am his sheep, then I ought to be hearing his voice. I ought to be hearing it. If I'm not, how do I need to position myself so that I can? And if I am and I'm just not responding, why? What's causing that to happen? And how do I let that melt away and follow him with my whole heart? That's what I want to pray with you today because God wants to speak his voice into your life. You just need to listen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we give you all praise and all honor and all glory for everything that you've created and we are caught up in just the, this, this fallout of, and, and wonder and awe of everything you've done for us. And God, in this moment, when we, get, when we, when we stop to think about the idea that you want to talk to us, God, may we do whatever it takes to make room in our hearts and room in our schedules and room in our lives to listen. And God, when we hear you, may we respond like all the rest of creation responds. May we do whatever you say. We're your servants. We're here to listen and respond. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Guys, we're going to move into a time right now of, of response. And part of that is worship. Part of that is, is, is allowing some things that God's kind of maybe turned over in your heart right now to, to, to express themselves in worship. And I just want to invite you as we do that, just to maybe latch on to a word or a phrase in this next song and just let it be your cry to God. Maybe when we hit that line in the song and you go, that's what I'm trying to say. Maybe that's you put your hand up in the air and you go, God, that's me to you right now. That's what I'm feeling. That's what I'm thinking. For some of you, maybe tonight, it's about saying yes to Jesus. Maybe you hear him knocking on the door of your heart and you're wondering what to do, you open the door. If you want to talk to somebody, 
And you want to respond and say, I want to start right now as a follower of Jesus. As we sing this next song, for those of you in the room, just head over to the cross. We can begin to have that conversation with you right here tonight. If you're online, we've got hosts right now reaching out and providing ways in the chat for you to be able to respond and say, I want to receive Jesus as Lord of my life. Some of you, the decision is baptism, right? Baptism, even right now today, we're ready for you. You didn't come dressed for it, that's okay. We started this thing clear back in 2010. We built this on, on the first, one of the first Sundays I was here. We put this thing in and I did an altar call like this, just said, if you wanna get baptized, come on. I think I even said something like this. You don't have to pray about it. You don't have to think about it. And in a message where we're talking about listening from God, this certainly hits. You just respond. You just respond. And 33 people that day came forward and gave their life to Jesus and were baptized. And there have been hundreds and hundreds and hundreds ever since. Just talking with Pastor Dan before this service. And this year alone, 150-ish baptisms. COVID's not shutting this thing down. God is going to continue to move. So don't make any more excuses. God spoke, and he spoke plainly. If that's your decision, if that's your response, again, head over to the cross. We want to meet with you and talk with you, pray with you. But everybody, let's stand to our feet. Let's give our voices, lift our voices to our creator, and let's begin to praise him right now together. Thank you.